folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Fast and the Curious podcast with me, Bessie Glover. And me, potentially award-winning F1 expert, Christian Hugill. <laughs> Hello, Betty. Award-winning? Why are you award-winning? No, I said I said potentially award-winning. I haven't actually won any awards yet, but you never know in the future. So you're just throwing it out there for the universe. Maybe someone will nominate you for an award then. Is that what you're getting at? I hope so. I hope so. We've got some award winners on the podcast. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Right, okay. True, very true. Um, it's just me and you this week. We haven't got Greg. We're team principal-less, if that's a word, because he's off doing team principal things. So we're going to he- look ahead to the uh, Texas Grand Prix. We're going to do a full preview of that. Some important listener admin, including Grand Prix meetups, sirens, and Formula One car personalities later on the show, because that's the stage that this podcast is at now. Full-on serious analysis, and that is it. We take it all very seriously. But first, Christian, we've got some very exciting guests to talk to. I have been waiting to speak to them all day. I am literally so excited. But I'm going to start with a question for you. Mm. What can you do in 1.80 seconds? I feel like any answer I give to that question would come across as rude or inappropriate. So I'm just going to say (laughs) nothing. Nothing. I'm intrigued now. Yeah, just move on from it would be my advice. (laughs) Moving on. Okay, if anyone kept a close eye on the pit stops at the Qatar Grand Prix, you will know that 1.80 seconds is also the time it took for the McLaren crew to change Lando Norris's tyres and have him ready to get back out on the track. So for perspective, guys, it's this long. Just absolutely wild. Like, you you don't even blink in that time, do you? It's a new world record for the fastest ever pit stop in Formula One. And we're joined by two of the huge team that made it happen. Christian, are you going to sing the jingle? I can see what's in the script here. And these two poor gentlemen who are in front of us will have no idea what this is. So this just becomes the latest in a long line of Formula One staff that I've embarrassed myself in front of. But yes, I guess you could call this... <laughs> <coughs> McLaren Cruise. <laughs> Good. On, the, on that note, I think it's time to bring them in. It's McLaren's Car Operations and Engineering Director, Charlie Hooper, and Lando Norris's number one mechanic, Kyle Marrera. Guys, welcome to the Fast and the Curious. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. You um, were very polite then, just sort of smiling and pretending to laugh at Christian singing. <laughs> it was a great effort, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good effort. McLaren News has become a feature on this podcast. I sung a jingle once about seven months ago. Now our listeners request it, but it got quite stupid, guys, because the last time Oscar Piastri was on the podcast... He said, oh, well, I haven't heard the jingle. I thought Christian was going to sing the jingle. So it's all it's all just got quite out of hand. And I'd like to apologise. Never apologise. Never apologise. <laughs> um, so, right, let's get to know you guys a little bit more then. Can you just sort of explain what it is each of you do and make it make sense for people like me? I'll let Carl go first. So Lando Norris is number one. I look after his car and the four guys, five guys on his car. And then pit stops on front left wheel off. And just checking, you say you're Lando Norris's number one. 
uh, presumably that's number one mechanic as opposed to just his number one human, like the person he turns to if he's run out of milk. <laughs> no, I think it's both. I think it's both. A bit yeah. of both. Does it just stop at mechanic duties or is there anything else he calls upon you for? Uh, mostly at mechanic duties, but there has been other things he's called upon me for when he's left stuff at the track. Or Really? That doesn't surprise me at all. No, no. What's what's he, what's he typically leave? Uh, it's mostly bracelets, to be bracelets? fair. Bracelets? What, that fans give him? Yeah. Oh, I see. So you've just got to clear everything up. So you're the big dog, basically. Uh, for his car, yeah, for Lando's car. Mm. And Charlie, what do you do? I am Director of Car Operations and Engineering. So uh, I'm in overall charge of like the car build, uh, both car crews, uh, chief mechanic as well, uh, reliability of the car on track, but also, I guess, what we're talking about here, uh, overall in charge of pit stops for McLaren. So you are actually the big dog. So I just called Carl the big dog, but actually you're sat there and you are the big dog. So that's quite embarrassing. No, to be fair, he bosses me around, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, interesting. How did you both get into this? Like, where where did you even start? Uh, I started in sports cars, uh, so doing GT stuff, uh, endurance racing, things like that, and then just met people through that and you kind of work your way up through the categories until you get to F1. It's so random, isn't it? Because like when you're a kid, you don't just sit there and go, I really want to be dealing with McLaren's front left <laughs> wheel. But yeah. that is your job. <laughs> no, I think they do. I think we all sit in front of the... I started watching F1 in the late 90s and you, you sort of watch the pit stops and watch when David Coulthard was in the pits and you think... Rear right, that's the one that would be for me. Look at that rear right. It's an absolute beauty. <laughs> I'd get, I tell you what, I'd get through that in 1.8 seconds. I really would. That's all it'd take me. I, I'd get straight through it. <laughs> Is the front left the best one? Yeah, I think so. I've worked my way around and then got to the left front. So I think that's where the, the better of us are all working. Right now, yeah. Oh, I see. I love how Charlie's rolling his eyes there. He's like, mm. I think it, all, he's, all he's doing is giving me a headache for next week. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie how did you get into it then so I I did an engineering degree at uni and as part of that I did a year in industry at Williams um, and on the back of that got offered a job uh, as a designer and steadily worked my way through uh, to trackside at Williams uh, and actually worked for some different teams as well and then um, I ended up at McLaren starting in 2020 so I've been doing this for a while now and do you enjoy it I do yeah it's brilliant I think um, the whole kind of traveling circus thing uh, kind of the excitement, especially on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's really good. Really enjoy it. I know this sounds a really obvious question, but we know so many of our listeners are brand new to Formula One. Uh, it's so easy to say, you guys did the fastest ever pit stop in, in 1.8 seconds. What did you do? Just break down step by step what happened from the minute Lando arrived in the pits at sort of 70 mile an hour-ish to, to him stopping, to him driving off again 1.8 seconds later. What happened and in what order in that 1.8 seconds? All right, I can kind of, I'll, I'll walk you through a bit of a step-by-step. So firstly, I think a pit stop, the, the end result is the same for every team, but how a team kind of goes around it is different, the number of people they've got. So for instance, we've got 24 people doing this in, in one, one stop. Wow. So Lando into the box, he's got to do job number one, stop on the marks, in position, uh, if he's a little bit too long, so not in line with the pit crew, a little bit too short, you're already off to a bad start. You want to you wanna have it right on the marks. So the guys are ready to go with their job. So that's job number one. Lando's got to do his job. Car's lifted up in the air. We've got a front and a rear jack. Before you can do anything else, it's got to be lifted up in the air for the, uh, for the crews to get onto their jobs. So you then got a gunman on each corner. 
So uh, you've essentially got a single wheel nut, unlike your road cars, which have got four or five nuts, single wheel nut right on the center, uh, big pneumatic gun goes in uh, and whizzes the wheel nut off basically. And it's super quick, uh, extremely powerful. If you, if you tried these guns and just pulled the trigger, your wrists get twisted around basically. You get a lot of injuries from these. Um, and then Kyle does his job, uh, wheel off straight away. Um, and then whilst that's happening, you basically want the wheel on man to be coming on exactly the same time. So there's minimal time that there's kind of, you need to overlap between the two of them. Wheel goes on. And as that's happening, the gunman's going back in. So you need to be kind of pushing that wheel back on, gunning it on. And the minute that's all done, car drops, Lando's got to be on it, responding as quick as possible to the pit crew and he's out. So that's all got to get done in 1.8 seconds. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. If me and Christian were to join your pit crew, Charlie, what roles would you put us in? Oh, so I think we, we'd have a good good check around everything. We've got a lot of different jobs. You know, you could be uh, the traffic watch out person. That's a nice, safe one to do to start. <laughs> traffic watch. I was thinking I'd be more gunman, personally. No, no, I don't think you would. <laughs> I've, the thing is, I've met Betty and worked with her a lot. I don't I don't think she, she... I think there'd be a sort of, oh, what, now situation. It's like, yes, now. I think I don't... I don't think so. I mean, I'm Betty. I'd be no better. Don't get me wrong. I'd also be worried about traffic watching. I think you'd be an unsafe release there. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be traffic watch. I don't know if that would be a good role for me personally. But maybe I could jack the car up at the rear. I was going to say, I'd put you as a rear jack. You're quite strong. I'd have, yeah. you, as the, the, I'd have you as rear jack. Yeah, I'm rear, I'll am i be rear jack. Christian, what will you be? What would you put Christian, guys? Oh, well, I don't know. We could give a, give a go on the gun for you, I think. Why not? I've, I've been in the gym a bit recently, so I'll, be, I'll give it a go. I mean, I, I can't guarantee it'll be 1.8 seconds, but 10.8 <laughs> maybe. You know, there's very little difference between the two. So, look, you've broken this world record. Obviously, you try and do the quickest pit stop ever. That's a stupid question. But were you sort of like working towards this exact time, getting it done in this time? Oh, I'm going to answer one and I know what <laughs> Kyle's going to say. So Kyle's going to say, absolutely, I wanted to break that record. <laughs> but it, for, for us, I think I, if you can be consistently quick, that's the key. And if the speed comes with it, that's mega. But um, yeah, what you don't want to do is a 1.8 second stop and then a five second stop afterwards. So working to get that consistency down to like the two second range is 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 key to us. But yeah, as Carl's about to say, yeah, I wanted that record all along. <laughs> Beginning of the year, I think once we realised the speed that we had and where we could possibly be, I think from maybe Bahrain, I was saying to Charlie that we were going to get it this year. So I'm glad we finally did. <laughs> Do you get a trophy? Uh, I don't think so. I think we only get it for the most fastest, which is the DHL Pit Stop Award which will go to Red Bull, I think, this year. Oh. Yeah, they've done a good job this year, so I think they're quite a long way in the lead. So they'll definitely get that by the end of the year, I think. Guys, just to explain that, is that all pit stop times combined together as opposed to one individual stop? It, you know, you've got the Drivers' World Championship, you've got the Constructors' World Championship, and DHL bought in, quite a few years ago now, a similar championship uh, to reflect the kind of pit crews. So every race, um, the best stop for each driver from the team, so only two count, uh, basically scored exactly the same as the World Championship points. Um, and at the end of the year, the fastest pips crew at the end of the year, not necessarily the fastest overall, uh, but the fastest consistently quick uh, pit crew uh, get uh, awarded a trophy from <coughs> DHL and a bit of a championship, which is kind of a nice... Nice thing that's going on in the background that the teams kind of fight for. That's so cool. You know how in the Tour de France, 
the winners get a yellow jersey if you were in the fastest on the previous stage the, the, the previous day. And you know how in Formula One uh, that th- if you set a something as the fastest, you go purple, right? And this is a good idea. <laughs> I think in Texas, McLaren's crew should all be wearing purple jerseys to signify the fastest stop. That way you might not get a trophy, but you can strut round Texas going like that. World records, you can have the, the prestigious purple jersey. Oh Would you like God. to wear all purple during the Texas Grand Prix? Mm, I think I'll pass on the purple. No, I'm fine with it because I won't be wearing it. Speak out, that's fine. <laughs> Excellent, that's that sorted then. Yeah, purple's your colour, guys. Um, what's your competition like then? Do you think anyone's going to beat your world record? Uh, I hope not. It's taken them quite a while for someone to beat the previous one. Hopefully we've got it for a couple of years at least to enjoy it. But I know... People will be pushing for it now. Did it feel fast for you guys? Did you, as soon as that had come, Orlando had come and gone, been like, ah, oh, that felt good. That felt quick. Or, I mean, to me, God, I don't know, two seconds to four seconds, I'm not going to notice a difference. Whereas for you guys, it's the it's a massive difference. The, the 1.8 stop did feel quick, yeah. I remember just as the car left, there was a few people that were high-fiving and whatever, and we don't see the time until we get into the back in the garage and it's up on the screens. And then even still, we only get the 1.8, which at that point we didn't know it was a 1.80. It could have been a 1.89. There's a lot of them that don't feel quick, and they are, and there's a lot that feel quick and they're not. So it's quite hard, but that one definitely felt quick, and you could see the reactions of some of the guys. They knew it was quick. Charlie, what makes your team so good then to be able to break this world record? Uh, So... I think, you, obviously, I said there's 24 people. Uh, we've actually had quite a few more than that in pit stops this year with the big calendar. We've got more people in the crew doing pit stops, but actually that's just the guys you all see on TV uh, doing that. Um, but you also have people in the background in the garage uh, who are support, uh, trainers, um, the medical staff that we've got helping us out. We've got the people back at base, uh, mission control, uh, that's checking all the data during the pit stops as well. We've got lots of information coming in during those pit stops, not just in the car, but the pit stop gantry itself. Uh, we've got the guys here at, at MTC where we are now who have our kind of pit stop practice area. So it's all the work uh, kind of going on in the background. So, I mean, it's a, it's a long list of people that actually kind of led to that 1.8 second stop, which is all the work that's gone on throughout the year and in the previous years because it's something that's been kind of building up for a long time. We broke two second barrier last year, which is the fastest we'd ever done at McLaren and we're stepping up again. So it's kind of just like trying to make the car faster. We're trying to make the pit crew faster and everything that we can supply to do that. So like I said, we've got everything from how we actually manufacture bits on the car to help us with pit stops to actually training people like Kyle up to go quicker and quicker. Yeah, you've kind of set the bar really, haven't you? Um, There's so much pressure. If you guys make a mistake, you can ruin the whole Grand Prix for your team. How do you deal with that pressure? And and do you get nervous? When you're out in the pit lane, it all comes, the car's there quickly, and hopefully the car's gone before you've even had time to really think about it. But the lead up to the stop, while you're waiting in the garage for the call, wouldn't often get like a standby call. That's the point where you'll feel your heart rate start to go up a bit. You know it's going to come in at some point in the next couple of laps. But yeah, it just, it happens so quick. I don't think there's much time to like get used to it and then 
come back down from it. Yeah, because me and um, me and Christian have been in the garage, the McLaren garage at Silverstone, and sort of watched you all do this. And like, it must be a bit mad because you sort of like get up, get ready, and then you obviously get told, "Oh no, not yet." So then you have to like sit back down. Then you're back up again. And you're like fully suited this whole time. Like your anxiety must be through the roof at times, or I guess you're used to it now. I mean, you, you'll have heard me on the radio telling them to stand by. Then the the, <laughs> the power for me to make them do the hokey cokey is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you're like up down up down yeah obviously the pit stops the obvious thing that we can see you doing and see you planning but i i wonder how do you guys react to things that are, are unplanned and how much of a challenge does that cope with how quick do you guys have to react and, and are there any examples you guys can give us of where it's like right this was totally unexpected and how you've sort of adapted to that not recently luckily uh but we do practice and we do have procedures for when things do go wrong and what to do so you'll see in some of the pit stops there'll be a guy at the back with a, a normal metal jack rather than the carbon jack and he's there that if the race jack misses or it falls off the jack which has happened before that's the jack that we use to then get the car up so we've got people there that are there just in case it does start to go wrong which has happened like carl said especially for pit stops like we can kind of come up with all the kind of catastrophized, oh, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, and we need to change this. Uh, some things catch on out of order, you know, oh, we've got to do a quick change for the type of tyre, this is what we're seeing, oh, the rain's just come. You know, Zamvort this year was a great example of really late calls, a very, very busy pit lane. Uh, it's one of those ones where you kind of try and get the information out to the crew as quick as possible uh, and as clear as possible. It's one of those things that you really could easily say the wrong thing and suddenly you've got one one wrong tire that wants someone's run out and it's a bit of chaos. So uh, you try and practice and plan as much as possible. And I think that's true for every team, but it's um, sometimes things catch you un unawares, which you wouldn't know. But uh, as Carl said, luckily not so much recently. few questions from our listeners for you guys if that's all right so we'll get on to it this first one is from a girl called Lamise who needs your f1 wisdom for something that she's working on hey charlie and kyle it's Lamise in belgium here and i'm doing a school report about formula one and i need some input from people who work in the sport to help me my question is what are the biggest changes you've seen in your time in formula one since you started your careers Thank you for answering my question. And I wanted to congratulate you on your world record for fastest bit stop. So since I've been doing it, um, and it's a really boring one, but the thing that's had the biggest impact probably for the race teams anyway, is the introduction of curfews, which uh, for fans uh, kind of new to sport may not understand what that is. But um, before in, in the, some would say the good old days in F1, uh, you could work all day, all night and get no sleep throughout a race weekend, of which I'm sure we've both had some pretty bad ones. Uh, but uh, F1, FIA kind of, uh, kind of sustainability have fixed curfews. So on a Wednesday night, you've got to leave the track by 6.30. You're not allowed back in until nine in the morning. And it changes event to event, but it's always a fixed period of time. Uh, that's made the biggest difference, actually, I think, in terms of how, how we work at the track. It needs to be a bit more efficient, but actually gives people some time away from the track, which sometimes is a bit of a rarity. So actually, it's quite a boring one, but I think it's been the biggest win for most teams. <laughs> 
don't think it's boring in any way, shape or form. Another one, uh, another list of question here, Sarah. Sarah says, I've always wondered if pit crews practice pit stops like a football team practices for penalty shootouts. Do they all meet up when there isn't a race and change tyres to be as prepped as possible? So I suppose if we're adding on to Sarah's question, guys, I, pre- I suppose you do that at McLaren's Technology Centre as opposed to meeting up at a local quick fit <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon like I'd meet up and play with my mates in the park <laughs> if I'm playing football. I presume is I presume there's a bit more to it than that. Yes, yeah. So we'll come into work, thankfully, during season while we're travelling, not that much. So the most of the prep that we do pit stop practice wise is done over the winter while we're here to do rebuild and we do quite a lot of like gym sessions and but you'll see most of the guys in the pit crew will keep quite physically fit you'll always see people running in the evenings after work running the track um and then track side once we get track side and we can we'll do pit stop practice normally from the thursday onwards which is normally around 10 12 a day so you basically go into winter training then? Yes, yeah. So we'll be doing pit stop practice and that's when a lot of us will also take on uh, like physio training and fitness training. A lot of people that have picked up injuries during the year, little niggles, will off- then will be their time to try and get themselves back on track for the, the next year. It's a relatively recent thing in Formula One, isn't it? That, you know, mechanics train in the gym and uh, and there's physios for them as you say in case of wheel gun injuries and that sort of thing you know as far as I'm aware guys is it it's still a relatively new thing in Formula One in the last sort of 10-15 years or so ago before that where mechanics were just sort of mechanics but you, you guys are you know a sort of athletes in your own right in some ways yeah for sure and I think that's the, the key thing now is is treating I mean F1 is an elite sport um, but these guys have got a day job of like you say building the car running the car oh, can you just do some pit stops as well? But actually now we need to start treating it like an elite sports team. Uh, nutrition, fitness, uh, training, not just going out and just changing a wheel, right? How can we efficiently do that? What's the best way to do it? Uh, and how do you do the equipment for it? Just like you'd hope any kind of professional sports team, football team, whatever, would kind of try and get the best out of their team. So as you say, I think it's a relatively new phenomenon in this in this sport to actually try and treat a pit stop like like we want to do the best job with the car itself so um it's still a, a big place for us to kind of explore and how we get the best out of it but it's definitely something we're developing on so just on that note then you've got your team of 24 which we can sort of see if kyle who's clearly one of the best because he's at the front left if he did a bad job would you relegate him to the back of the car i needed to talk to you about this <laughs> no it, it is a it's a fair point we've got probably more well we do have more people that are interested in doing pit stops than we have spaces in the pit crew and ultimately we have a lot of information as to who does the best job in each position and we have a good idea of, of what crew is going to give us the best stop so um, yeah, if, if if you're not doing the best job or we find someone that's kind of a step forward, uh, yeah, it's, it can be an awkward conversation we need to have, but uh, thankfully not at the moment. Carl, watch your watch your back, mate, because I'm I'm coming up. I'm going to start training. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got this message from Susie, which is going to take a bit of explaining, guys. Um, and for anyone that didn't listen to our last episode, so we were having this conversation about how sort of high maintenance Formula One cars are which you guys obviously both know very well and it led to us sort of talking about how the cars have different personalities I can't believe I'm having to explain this to you guys it's so embarrassing but anyway well I found it quite camp 
that Carlos signs a card just decided it wasn't going out before the race. So <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not putting any fuel in the engine. I can't do this race. I'm not even going to do it, Carlos. I'm going to stay here. And I just found that quite funny that the car had had such a diva fit that it hadn't even, it didn't even do the race. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm staying here today. I'm not going out. It's too hot for me. <laughs> Which then got us thinking like, well, Alpine for us is a very sophisticated, like French person. Can sort of imagine them like smoking in the corner, almost like a bit too cool to be there. Mercedes are like the jock, like muscly always does well on sports day. Aston Martin, they're like the elder statesman on the grid. Pipe, polo neck. Can you sort of get where we're going with this? Yeah, sure. Susie, she said, I think McLaren would have to be the nice, but slightly awkward and chubby kid (laughs) (laughs) who had a glow up over the summer. So you guys have got the glow up. Not disagreeing. No, yeah. Yeah, probably, it's probably, yeah. Before I joined McLaren, we didn't have the most, or it was it was coming up as a uh, kind of a a fun team, but certainly um, with Zach, uh, with Lando, uh, and Oscar, I think we've definitely kind of got the persona in the pit lane as the ones that have a bit of fun now. Always got some music playing in the garage, so I think we've kind of really come out in that kind of area, which I think is great, and it's good for us to be in that position. You see people up and down the pit lane going, oh, "All right, this is this is good. They're having a good time here." McLaren have been sorting themselves out. <laughs> So, look, Texas, next race on the calendar, for anyone that doesn't know, what sort of race should we be expecting then? So it's another sprint event, uh, which, for those who watch Qatar, was, causes some chaos now and again. It's, a, it's harder, I think, for us as a team in terms of how we go about building the cars, running the cars. You've really got to get everything dialed in. From, um... What is this happening here? This is my favourite. What is going on? What is that? That's the best thing that you've heard for a while. That's completely thrown us off. That is amazing. You can blame Harry, our comms man, after this. Are you are you giving us a little slice of your music? Well, this we've, just, we've just learned yeah. we've just learned what Harry's uh, video call ringtone is. So that's brilliant. Amazing. Sorry, Harry's Harry's Nokia thirty three ten played its latest polyphonic ringtone that he's downloaded over Bluetooth for two pounds in the playground. Sorry, guys, you were saying Texas. Yeah. So Texas, um, I think, will be an another really interesting race um as i said sprint race so you've got the qualifying on friday then another qualifying and the shootout uh the sprint race on the saturday so a lot goes on um i think the circuit could suit us again um i think the car's quick now so hopefully it's going to be every track's going to be like that but um yeah and austin's a great place to go to uh, the crowd's mega there a uh, huge huge turnout i think uh, netflix certainly helped us there so um i think it's one every team enjoys going to but uh, yeah, we hope we can have the same kind of result we had in Qatar, to be honest, but uh, fingers crossed. So what do you guys go for then? 1.79 seconds? Is that the aim? No, 1.70. <laughs> They're confident. Uh, I, would, I would take as many stops at two seconds dead as possible. And then if they go quicker than that, fantastic. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much. Christian, that was absolutely amazing. I want to be part of the pit crew. The guys are amazing. And I just, it's what we said to them in the interview. But like, I don't think people understand with Formula One just how amazing what they do is. And that they're, they're athletes. Like they're guys, those guys train. Those guys look after what they eat. Those guys do the right exercise for the right part of the car they're on. Like every single little part of a Formula One team has to work 
perfectly together for a driver to win a race. And this is why when people turn around and say, oh, well, wouldn't it be better if all the cars were the same? Well, no, because it's a team sport. And those guys just epitomise that. You know, when a, when a Formula One driver wins a race, it's not just the perfection of the driver. It's the perfection of people like that. And it, it's just so impressive what they do. And those guys will have such satisfaction from that and they'll deserve it. Yeah, th- definitely. Um, we should get them some sort of trophy, I feel like, because I think that's absolutely ridiculous that they've broken a world record and they don't even get a trophy or anything. Or the purple jersey. Yeah, I don't know if they liked that, Christian, I'll be honest. They're too cool for that. Mm. Moving on, we've still got a little bit of listener admin, Christian. This one's coming from Mike, who's going to the Mexican Grand Prix. So it's a bit in the future planning, but we need to talk about it now. So that's obviously the weekend after Texas, as you know. And you probably remember Beth, who we had on before the Japanese Grand Prix, right? Do you remember her? No, never heard of her. No. <laughs> I think you're making Beth up. Yes, of course, remember Beth, yes. (laughs) Uh, She was looking for people to meet up because she was obviously going alone, wasn't she? So she said to us, look, can you put something out on the podcast, see if anyone wants to meet up with me? Um, And so now Mike's come in. He's got the same idea and he sent us this. Hi, guys. Love the podcast and thought I'd send you a quick message. Um, Basically, I'm going to the Mexico Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going on my own was got sort of tickets but i was curious to see if anyone on your podcast uh is going out there and fancy kind of creating a little bit of a, a catch-up meetup it'd be great to spend a bit of time with people rather than just enjoying everything on my own which i don't mind but it's always better with company we need to sort mike out with some friends in mexico so let's see if we can help him if we can consider this like you know children in need mike in need oh my God. please if you're going to mexico get in touch and we'll get someone to to you know to be in touch with mike he's a lovely lovely man he's coming around to mine at christmas we've all got to have our time to look after mike and this is one of yours so if you're going to mexico hashtag mexico mike <laughs> then please get in touch and let's get mike a friend fast and curious at acast.com or on x slash twitter Instagram and TikTok, Fast Curious Pod. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well done. Uh, One final thing to say about before we have to go is about sirens. Obviously, really important subject. Greg warned us that this was going to happen and Greg was right because whenever is Greg wrong? I was in Antwerp when we were last recording our episode, wasn't I? And uh, a siren went past my hotel which got you and Greg like absolutely buzzing because you, for some reason, love sirens or something. No, just got Greg buzzing. I was largely uninterested, I'll be honest with you. Oh, well, you're going to love this then, Christian, because so many people have got in touch with their favourite sirens across the world. Can you believe it? Yeah, so the USA is running away with it at the moment. Uh, we had this fire truck sound sent in by Abby. Good. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a classic, isn't it? A classic. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pip, who's a flight attendant, uh, said that New York sirens are her favourite. As someone that travels a lot, she's got quite a lot of authority on that. And I'm going to New York tomorrow, so... Are you? Yeah. You kept this quiet. I didn't know about this. 
<laughs> it was a last minute thing, you know. Oh, lovely. I love New York. I'll give you some recommendations. I went last year. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah, please do. I'm basically going because Pip told us that the sirens are the best in New York. So I thought, I've got to go try them out for myself. Well, thank you for all of those. Keep your favourite uh, sirens coming in, <laughs> which is something I never thought I'd say in a Formula One podcast. But frankly, we've done a lot stranger, haven't we? Oh, yeah. I wonder, we can get some really unusual ones, couldn't we, with our listeners? I mean, I wonder what, like, Azerbaijan's sirens like. A Baku siren, bless you. We've gone from actual Formula One pit crew to talking about sirens, but there we are, yeah. Serious analysis, okay? In the spirit of the McLaren pit crew, I'm going to wrap this episode up in 1.80 seconds. Oh, my Lord. Count me down. Count me down, Christian. Five, four, three, two, one. Go, go, go. Thank you so much for all your questions. Thanks for listening and being part of the show. We'll be back. No, that's that's easily three seconds already. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll do it again. Thanks for all your questions. We'll be back when F1 is in Texas. Bye. (laughs) 